Welcome to the I Am Persuaded podcast with Travis Shelton. Our desire is to provide weekly encouragement and biblical truths so that you too can be persuaded that He is able. Thanks for joining us on this episode. Now, let's hear what Pastor Travis has to say. Welcome back to the I'm Persuaded podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to each episode. I truly do hope they're an encouragement to you. And so right now we're currently in the middle of a series talking about spiritual gifts. And as I said in the last episode, these were pre-recorded. I recorded these episodes in a live, uh, teaching a live class at Beulah Baptist Church for four weeks. And so this is week two. And so I truly hope week one was an encouragement as we just dissected what scripture has to say about spiritual gifts, where they come from, uh, what the role of the Spirit, the Father, and the Son is inside of these spiritual gifts. And so this week, we're going to be looking at just how everyone is called to use different gifts in different settings. So though we might have one main or two main specific gifts, we're all called uh, to work for Christ in our setting right where we are. So I hope they're an encouragement. Again, bear with the audio and just some different things that might sound a little bit different. And so, but I pray it's an encouragement to you. So here is the episode. All right, let's pray as we begin, then we'll recap last week's material, then we'll start this week. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for all that you do for us. Father, we thank you for mercy. We thank you for grace. Father, we're thankful for just these Sunday nights. For a couple of weeks, we can just take some time, choose a class, choose a topic out of Scripture, and we can study it in depth. And so, Father, tonight, as we look again at spiritual gifts, I pray that you would bless it. I pray you would bless your, the reading of your word, the study of your word, the exposition of your word. And, Father, I pray you would give us a very simple truths that we can apply to our lives in the weeks and months ahead. Father, let us, through the course of this, this class, figure out our spiritual gift so that we can more effectively minister for Jesus during these times that we live. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so a couple of new faces from last week. So what I want to do is each week, I know some people have some vacations, some people have things they have planned. So I want to take the first five, ten minutes of each week and recap the last week. That way everyone is on the same page going forward and no one is confused. And each week doesn't really build off the last, but the last two really will. But last week was the preliminary information. And so I said it's kind of like the first day of college, first day of high school. Some of you had that this past week where you sit down, they give you the syllabus and you go over all that fun stuff. And so it's the first day. You have no homework. And so that is what we talked about last week. We looked expositionally at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 7. And there Paul is writing to the Corinthians about the importance of them understanding and using their spiritual gift in the day in which they live. And so he writes in verse number 1 that there is ignorance regarding the topic of spiritual gifts. And so we looked, and I talked to you last week, and I said this, there is a lot of false teaching that goes on in the pulpits of America. You can easily turn on the television on any given night. You can find some televangelist that's going to preach to you what they claim is the Word of God. And Brother Daniel said it last week when he preached here on Sunday morning that Satan is using the pulpits of America in deceptive ways to deceive man, to deceive Christians, and to believing things that God's Word does not say. And so that goes for any doctrine in the Bible. That goes for any teaching in the Bible. And so that is true with spiritual gifts. And so Paul writes to the Corinthians, do not be ignorant, verse number two. Don't be like you used to was when you followed after false and dumb idols. Don't be like that. Understand scripture, understand what, what the teaching is, and follow after that. The Corinthian church, they had this mindset of, if I have a speaking gift or if I have the gift of teaching, then my gift is better than someone with the gift of administration or the gift of giving. And so they were trying to play this boastful game. They were trying to say, well, I'm better than you because I have a gift that causes me to use my mouth. 
And we talked last week, that is not true whatsoever. All gifts are given by the same Spirit. The same Spirit ministers on the inside. The same Spirit gives us a gift. And every gift, if it's given by the same giver, is equal in value to us to use it for the, the body of Christ. So that was number one. Don't be ignorant about what you read. You can do a quick Google search tonight when you get home, and I wouldn't encourage it. Spiritual gifts. You will read some things that is just outright wrong that Scripture does not teach. So be very careful with anything scriptural, who you listen to and what you read regarding any teaching in Scripture. Number two we looked at, you must profess Jesus. And so the preliminary stuff, the simple stuff, in order to receive a spiritual gift, you have to be saved. So there is no receiving a spiritual gift outside of Christ. A lot of times there's confusion among spiritual gifts, and what we'll do is, is we'll say, well, my ability to play basketball like nobody else, that's my spiritual gift. And that's just talent. That's not a spiritual gift. Because there are people who are lost and on their way to hell who have the great ability to play basketball, have the great ability to sing, have the great ability to do these things. And so they do not have the spiritual gift. They simply have talent. And so at our first birth, we were all given some type of characteristic. We were given a talent. We were given an ability. We were given something at our first birth, our personality. And at our second birth, when we placed our faith in Jesus, that is the moment that the spiritual gift was bestowed upon the believer. And so, hear this. If you are saved in the room tonight, you have at least one spiritual gift. I would say most of us have many. Brother Darrell shared with me last week something Pastor Barbary said years ago. He said, every Christian has received at least, one, at least one spiritual gift, so you better figure it out so that you can serve Christ more effectively. That's true. If you're saved, if you've placed your faith, hope, and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone, you have received a spiritual gift. And so, in order to receive one, you have to place your faith in Jesus. Then we looked at a couple of verses, how Paul, very beautifully, I believe, he describes the Trinity and how the Spirit, the, the Son, and the Father all work together in bestowing and equipping us for these gifts. So he says there is a lot of diversity among gifts. And so that means my gift is going to be different than Levi's gift. And Levi's gift is going to be different than Seth's gift. And it might be the same gift, but we're going to administer it differently in the body of Christ. And so we have diversity of gifts. And so no two people in the room tonight is going to have the same gift and the same way to administer it. You might have the same gift as teaching that I do, but you might do it in a different way. And so the same Spirit gives us all of these different gifts. And so we talked about the Spirit that indwells on the inside of us. He is the gift giver. But then we still look, I think it's in verse 5 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that the Lord, Jesus Christ, has a part in the giving of gifts. He is the one that is proclaimed. He is the one that is um, taught about. He is the one that we are serving. And so the Spirit gives the gift and power on the inside of us when he comes to indwell on the inside of every believer. That is the gift giver. But then no matter our gift, we are all preaching for the same cause. So there's none of us that are different. We all have the same message. If we're a giver, we have the same spirit as we're giving. If we are an administrator, we have the same spirit of we're making much of Jesus as we lead this group of people. If we are a teacher, we have the same passion, that is to make much of Jesus. Then the Father is given there in the, in the Trinity's work in the giving of gifts. He empowers us to use the gift that has been given. And so the Father gives us the power, so no matter where we are, no matter who we are, no matter what our gift is, no matter if it's in Sunday school, if it's to be used at home, we have the power of the Father to go out and to use our gift. 
And so we don't have to worry about having to do it in our own motives. We don't have to worry about doing it in our own power. The Father is the one giving us the power to use the gift that he and he alone has given us. Then the last thing we looked at in verse 7 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 was the purpose of these gifts. The Corinthians, they falsely taught that the purpose of their gift was to make much of themselves. That is not the purpose of your spiritual gift. You might be a very eloquent teacher. You might have a great way to compose words. You might be great at giving and administering and leading and compassion. It might be all these things, but it is not for self-glorification. The purpose of a spiritual gift is to make much of Jesus and to serve the body of Christ. And so that's what he goes on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We are to serve the body of Christ. And so no matter what gift we have, if it's speaking, if it's serving, no matter what it is, we all unify together under the name of Jesus to make much of Jesus Christ. That's our passion. And so if we have our gift, if we know what our gift is and we're harboring and we're not sharing it for Jesus, what's the point? So if we know our gift, we are called to use it to glorify Jesus and his body, which is the church. So all of us, we've been placed here in Bennett, North Carolina, most of us members here at Beulah, we are called to use our gift for the church, for the body of Christ, and not to make much of self, but to make much of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. And so Paul writes in Romans 1 kind of like this, the church needs you and you need the church. And so, just as much as you need the church on Sunday to encourage you to hear Scripture, to hear truth, the church needs you. We need your, we need your gift. The body of Christ, not the four walls of Beulah Baptist Church, but the body of Jesus Christ needs you and your specific spiritual gift. So as Brother Darrell shared with me last week, you have at least one gift, possibly more. But figure out what it is so that you can make much of Jesus every single day that you have left here on earth. That should be our heartbeat is to make much of Jesus. All right, so that was last week. So recovering all of that. So now we're hopefully on the same page. Tonight's going to be a little bit different. So last week we looked just verse by verse at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This week we're going to look at specific gifts a little bit, and so we're not going to be able to be in one passage. And so I've got all of the verses there on the screen. You can look at those as they come up, and then we'll end in 1 Peter chapter three or chapter 4 tonight, uh, looking at the two types of categories of gifts. And so I asked you last week, if you would take the spiritual gift test sometime during this week. Christiana didn't take it, so she gets a zero. And so some of you probably didn't take it. That's okay. Um, but there'll be a way next, next week is the week we're going to dive very specifically into each gift. And so each gift we're going to look at in depth. We're going to look at specifically. And how can you, if you have the gift of administration, if you have the gift of teaching, if you have the gift of giving, how can you take that gift and use it to make the most of Jesus in your life right where you're at. So we're going to look at that next week. But tonight, we're going to look at, and some of you have already taken the test. And I got a phone call from mom last week, and I'll share a little bit more about that phone call at the end. But every, when you take the test, you'll see something. You scored at least something in every category. And so you have one that was most likely the most. You scored 100% in that one, maybe 90%. So that, what the test would say, that is your main gift. But as you go down the list, looking at all the other ones, you scored at least 1% in at least all of them. And so some would say, well, why is that? And so what I want to talk about tonight is this simple truth. We all have to minister in all areas at some times in our life. And so the thought process of, well, if I'm just a teacher, I never have to be a giver. Or if I'm just an administrator, I never have to be compassionate. Or if I'm just a teacher, I never, have to have, I never have to encourage believers. That's not true. And so we can find through the truths in Scripture 
that every gift, and we're going to look at seven of the main ones tonight, and there's others. We're going to look at seven of the main ones tonight, how every believer inside of the body of Christ is at some point called to use this type of gift to uh, make much of Jesus and benefit the body of Christ. And it might not be your main gift, and that's okay. But it's not us living in our own power. It's the Father, it's the Spirit, it's the Son empowering us to just simply make much of Jesus. And so we're going to look at seven gifts tonight, and I believe we all, as the body of Christ, should be using these. So before we look at our specific gift, we all need to be working to make much of Jesus every single day of our life. So the first gift we're going to look at, and that on your outline, you don't have to, last week we had fill in the blank. If you don't want to use the paper, that's completely fine. I know some people learn more taking notes. I would rather just listen and not take notes, and so Christiana likes notes. So if you like notes, by all means, take notes. If not, you can just listen. It's not going to hurt my feelings if you don't write in on the paper. But number one, the gift of discernment or perceiving. And so there on the screen we'll have the verses. You're welcome to flip there, but we're going to have a lot of verses coming up on the screen, one after another. Discernment or perceiving, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Then James 1, 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. So the first verse said this. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. And so to discern, the gift of discernment, discern simply means to judge or to try something and, and figure out if it's truth or not, specifically scriptural truth. And so we should all, we said this last week, one of the things we ended with last week is, if I have a gift, why do I not know what my gift is or why have I not used my gift correctly? One of the things was maybe you haven't been taught your gift or maybe you're not growing as a Christian in your personal walk with Jesus. And so as believers, as saved individuals, something that we should all have and practice every single day in our life is personal, quiet time with Jesus. If we are not growing Christians, if we are not in the Word daily, any spiritual gift is not going to be used to its fullest advantage if we are not growing every single day in our personal walk with the Lord. So we should all, as Christians, be students of the Bible every single day. We should not rely solely on the pastor to teach us every Sunday what God's Word has to say to us. We have Scripture. We are blessed to have 66 books of God's inspired, infallible, and errant words that are given to us as his letter, as his, as his mode of communication to us, so that we can know what God is thinking, so that we can know God's mind, so that we can know how God wants us to live. And so there are a lot of truths contained in Scripture, and if we are not growing and discerning God's truth, then we're not going to use any spiritual gift. And so we all are called at times to discern. That's what he said in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit. But try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. And so there are going to be false prophets in the tribulation period, but today, in the hour in which we live, there is a lot of false teaching going on in America. You can find churches within the communities in North Carolina that are teaching false doctrines. And so we should not, and like I said last week with the ignorance part of the spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, we need to be very careful what we believe and what we, who we listen to. If we don't know what they believe, if we don't know their doctrine, if we don't know their statement of faith, we should not just give an ear to them and say, well, what they say is truth. We need to be able to discern some things as Christians. Is what this person saying truth or not? 
Because there are false prophets. Satan is using and deceiving men across America, even women across America, to say, well, this, I'm saying it's what the Lord has to say. And when we believe what man says over what God says, we find ourselves in a, a dark place. So we need to be very careful. What I'm hearing, what I'm reading out of my devotional book, does it align with God's word? And so, yes, there are some people who are very gifted in discernment, very gifted in debating, very gifted in trying whether this is truth or not. And maybe that's not your specific gift. But even if it's not, in your personal relationship with Jesus, you need to have enough discernment to try whether this is truth or whether this is false. We all need to have that ability. And something else regarding these seven gifts we're going to look at tonight. We are called through Scripture through different verses to be able to have them and possess them. But another thing, we are to make much of Jesus because Jesus has died for us and given us salvation. And because of that, it's written in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. And so we are to practice and pattern our life after the life of Jesus. I gave you a quote last week that the Spirit of God uses God's Word to make us like the Son. And so that's, what we are, that's what's happening in our life every single day. The Spirit is making us through the words that we read like the Son. And so if we're to pattern our life after the life of Jesus, if you look at Jesus' life in the Gospels, every, all seven of these gifts he beautifully used and exhibited in his personal ministry. So how to use discernment? Matthew chapter 4, Satan brings Jesus and tempts him in the wilderness. What did Jesus do? He said, it is written. What did Satan tempt him with? He used Scripture. He was pulling Scripture out of context, using it in the wrong light, trying to make the Son of God believe something that is not true about Scripture. And what did Jesus say? It is written. It is written. It is written. Jesus discerned what is true, and he pulled out what is false, and he believed Scripture for what Scripture truly says. And so if we're to pattern our life after Jesus, we need to have, as Bible-believing Christians, enough knowledge of God's Word to say, is this true or is this false of what I'm hearing? So we all at times need to have partially the gift of discernment in our life. Number two, the gift of serving. The gift of serving. I'll let you write that down and I'll read the verses because they'll come on the screen. Psalms 100 verse 2 says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Galatians chapter 5 verse 13 says this, For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion, but occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. And so serving is a large one. And so a lot of us, and I know the people here at Beulah, a lot of you have the heart of serving. It's probably your main gift. We have a lot of people here that will do anything any time of day, all to serve the church and to serve Jesus. And so a lot of us are servants. But there are some people that are stingy with their time and they do not want to serve if that's not their main gift. And so Psalm says, serve the Lord with gladness. Galatians 5.13, the last part says, but by love serve one another. And so there are people, and I hope it's not you, that when they are asked to do something for the cause of Christ, you kidding me? There's that youth pastor calling me again. Probably Eric, what he says every time. There's that youth pastor wanting me to drive a van again. There he is wanting me to go to Carowinds again. And so, it's not Eric. That's not his spirit. He's a very humble guy. But when we have, we're called on to serve, a lot of times the, the response of a Christian is, oh, I've got better things to do. I've got better things that I could be doing with my time. I've got better things that I could be doing with my life right now. And that's not the attitude that we should have regarding the service that Christ has called us to. And so it says in Psalm 100, serve the Lord with gladness. And we should be happy.
that we get to serve the Lord in any capacity. Even if serving is not our main gift, we should be ecstatic that he would use us in any way, shape, or form that, man, we get to serve Jesus. What a blessing that we're called by him, that we're equipped by him, and that we can be used by him in various avenues and various places. We all have opportunities in our life to serve him. Then it says in Galatians, by love, serve one another. Serve the body. Serve people. Serve other Christians. Serve those that are around you. Be available to serve, even if that's not your main gift. And we'll look at that that next week as your main gift. But even if it's not your main gift, there is going to be a time when you're going to be called on to serve the body and to serve Christ in some way or some fashion. Jesus served. The Bible says this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. But he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Matthew 20, verse 28. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And so here you have Christ. Our perfect example, he left perfect heaven to come to sinful earth so that we could leave sinful earth and go to perfect heaven. But he came to earth not demanding royalty. He came to earth not for us to worship him and not for us to serve him, but it says he came to serve. Jesus was completely a servant. He could have came in his deity and demanded that he could have a throne set up, but he didn't. He came to serve. Philippians, but he made himself of no reputation. He wasn't found as some high up. He made himself of no reputation, went from place to place, not even knowing where he was going to lay his head. Went from city to city, making much of the mission that he was there to perform. Took upon him the form of a servant, made in the likeness of men. Matthew 28, the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. And so if we as Christians... They're going to pattern our life after Jesus. Jesus, the perfect example of a humble servant, came to earth to serve. He healed, he walked, he talked, he preached, he discipled. He simply just served the will of his Father. Without grumbling, without complaint, Christ came to serve. And so, we to pattern our life after Jesus. There are going to be times, even if your main gift is not serving, you're going to be called on to serve. There's going to be an open door. There's going to be an avenue for you to go down that you have the opportunity to serve Jesus right where you are. And so we all at times are going to have the opportunity to serve. Number three, the gift of teaching. So I know what you're thinking, Travis. I can serve. I can discern. But I am not a teacher. I was hoping Brother Randy Brady would be here last week and he's here tonight, so I'm thankful for that. He knows me. Back in my high school days, I I told you this last week, I was the kid that would skip school just so that I did not have to present. I skipped three days in a row one time so that I would not have to get up in front of Jamie Brown's English class and present some book review that I had no idea what I was talking about. I skipped school because that was my fear. I did not want to speak in front of people. So when I felt the call to preach, you can imagine my heart, my anxiety, everything going on in the inside of me like this is not going to be what I'm going to do with my life. Well, now look, four or five years later, here I am, can barely stop talking. But this still might not be your gift. But there will be times in your life where you're called to teach. And so it might not be like this in front of 70 people at a, at a podium. That might not be the avenue that you're called to teach. But there will be an, a scenario in your life where you're going to be called upon to teach. The Bible says this, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. 
you're in Awana, you know this verse. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace and hearts to the Lord. It says this, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another. And so there will be scenarios in your life where whether you like it or not, you're going to be called to teach someone about the Word of God. And so Paul writes that we all possess, whether we like it or not, a small amount of this gift where we are going to have to teach someone something in our life. And so maybe you're at the store and you hand a track and someone says, well, hey, what's this mean? That's an opportunity for you to be able to teach what God's Word has to say about salvation. Maybe you're a parent. It's your job to teach your kids how to love Christ. It's your job to teach your kids and instill in them a love for Christ. It's your job to teach and raise your kids. Now, the church has obviously a lot of ministries that help with that, but you're the parent. You are called to teach the kids in that scenario. And so while some might have the main gift of teaching where they stand each week and they teach and they proclaim God's truth, you still are going to be called on at times to teach someone some truths about Scripture. You're going to, whether you're living it out, whether you're verbally teaching them, you will be called to teach someone something about God's Word at times in your life. If you look at Jesus, He was a perfect example of this. Every single day as He walked with His twelve, they went from place to place. He was using every uh, just basic surroundings and teaching them simple truths about what they're going to do after His resurrection. Jesus was always teaching. He was always instructing he was always teaching some truths. Look at Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. He is a teacher. And so if we are going to pattern our life after Jesus, we're going to have to at times be equipped to teach people something about God's Word. If you're a leader in a small group or a D-Life, you are a teacher at some area in that on Thursday nights. So that's when we have it or whenever you have it, you will be called on to teach at least something. And so we all at times need to have a knowledge of God's Word to teach even the simple truth of the gospel. That's a, that's a truth that we should never get over. And the gospel is so great that Jesus would die for us and offer, offer us salvation. And we should all be able to verbalize that and teach someone how to be saved, how they can know that they know Jesus and they're on their way to heaven. So we're all going to be called on at times to be a teacher of God's word. Number four, exhorting and encouragement. Exhorting is encouragement. So encouragement, the gift of encouragement. And I meant to share this little illustration at the beginning. And so if we have all of our, we know exactly what our one and our main spiritual gift is. And so, for example, your gift is teaching, but you are not the encourager. So on Sunday morning, you're sitting on your pew. There's someone beside you who is weeping, who's convicted, who has a burden, whatever the case may be. And you're sitting there and you're like, well, I don't know why they're crying, but I'm not going to say anything to them because my gift's not encouragement. And so you could look at them and you could say, Ma'am, sir, there's somebody over there that their, their gift is encouragement, but it's not me. So don't look at me to have a shoulder to cry on. Look, sometimes that can be our attitude. I could be like that with compassion at times. That could be our attitude, but it shouldn't be. We are called, Scripture says this in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. 
And so there are instances in our life as believers where we're going to be confronted with someone that needs encouragement. In the day and hour which we live, there is a lot of sickness, there is a lot of pain, there is a lot of hurting, there is a lot of sorrow, and maybe you just happen to be on the other end of the phone one night when someone decides to let their burdens out. And that's okay. But you need to have at least enough encouragement where you can share truth from God's word. Maybe even that means pointing them to someone that can encourage them a lot, a lot more. But we're all called at times in our life to be an encourager to those around us. Parents, to be an encourager to your kids. Teenagers, to be an encourager to those around you at school. And that means to encourage those around us. And so we all have something that we can say. Even on the worst of day, if we're having a pity party also, and the person beside us is having a pity party, we can still say, hey, Jesus loves you and Jesus saves. That's encouragement. Even when nothing else is going right in our life, we still have Jesus, and that is the greatest encouragement that we have. And so if your main gift is not encouragement, if your main gift is not exhortation and encouraging the body, you still at times are going to be called to encourage those that are around you. And so Jesus, look at him. He was encouraging his disciples as they went home, and they had failures. They had faults. One time they're out on the, on the Sea of Galilee. There's a storm. Here comes Jesus. He says this, hey, be not afraid. It is I. He was constantly instilling small amounts of encouragement to those that followed him, to those that were sick, to those that were dying. He was always an encourager to those that were around him. I shared last week, Eric Cockman is an encourager to me. And so there's a lot of people that need encouragement. And so there's going to be times in your life when that's not your main gift, but you are called to share a small amount of encouragement with them right where you are. Number five, the gift of giving. The gift of giving. Luke chapter 6, verse 38, the first part of the verse says this, Give, and it shall be given unto you. So there will be times in the life of a Christian where you're going to be called on to give some of your resources, some of your time, some of your energy, just part of your day-to-day -day life. You're going to be called on to give different parts of yourself, parts of your resources, parts of your energy. And so here's what a lot of Christians possess. Instead of saying, yep, I have the, the heart of a giver, They'll be so stingy with what they have, they won't be willing to give it out. Luke 6, 38, give and it shall be given unto you. We are called every single day to be a generous giver, not just with money, not just with resources, but even with our time. So like the person that stands in need of encouragement, there might be someone that just needs you to take them out to lunch and be there for them. And so that's you giving of your time during the day for that person, for the cause of Christ, to serve the body. And so we are all called at times to give some of our time, some of our energy, some of our resources. But what I see a lot of times, even in myself at times among Christians, is we are stingy with what we have. We think, well, I've earned this. I've earned my day off. I've earned this time at home. I've earned all of this money. I've earned this energy through resting. I've earned all of this. And so then when it's asked for me to give some of it, we're like, really? You want me to give another day? You want me to give another lunch? You want me to give another phone call? You want me to give another night? You want me to give more money? You want me to give more of my resources? And that's not the attitude of Christ. Christ was constantly giving of himself. Matthew 20, verse 28, we already read the verse. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Christ gave the ultimate gift. Christ was the ultimate gift giver. Christ gave of his own life to come to earth so that we as unbelievers, we as lost, wretched, sinful man could have a bridge built back to God the Father. And so if we 
as stingy Christians say, you know, I can't give anything. Look at what Christ gave for you. Christ gave generously. And even today, 20 years after you've been saved, every single day, Christ is generously pouring out his grace upon you, helping you, equipping you, empowering you to get through the day. He is constantly giving to us. And so why should we be stingy with what God has given us? He, any, the Bible says any good thing that we have is from God. Any good gift cometh from above. So anything that we have good is from God. And so who are we to say that God can't have that back? Who are we to say that God can't have our time? Who are we to say God can't have our energy? Who are we to say God can't have our voice? Who are we to say God can't have our mind? Who are we to say that God can't have anything that we have? And so listen to me very carefully. There will be times in your Christian walk where you're going to be required to give of yourself, to give some resources. Maybe that means just being a generous tipper at lunch on Sundays. Maybe it means giving an ear to someone on the phone that's just hurting, that's burdened, and needs to talk. You will at times be called on to give part of yourself, part of your resources, part of your time to the body of Christ. And we have to be willing to do that. Christ, so willing, gave his life as a ransom for many. That means he died willingly, gave up his life. He wasn't killed. He gave his life. The Greek word to telestop paid in full. He gave his life so that the sin debt of mankind could be paid in full. Now he's given us so many blessings and just a little bit. He wants us to give that back out, even if some of you are the greatest givers in all the world, and that's your main gift, and it shows. But some of us are so stingy, we won't give anything for the cause of Christ. So Christ gave his life a ransom for many. There's going to be a time when we are called to give. Number six, compassion. Compassion. Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful and courteous. But it says, having compassion one of another. So if I'm going to be transparent with you. Compassion is somewhere I struggle. Growing up, I can't tell you how many times my mom and my grandma said to me, Travis, just have a little bit of compassion for that person. And I'm always like, they, they made their bed, let them lie in it, you know. And so I'm just like stone cold, you know, nope. But there she would say, have just a little bit of compassion. And so this is for me. There's times in our life when we are going to be called to be compassionate. The church, yeah, man, if you look at it, seems like the church has lost its compassion. And every Christian, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, finally be of one mind, having compassion one of another. Blessed are the merciful, Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. We're called at times to be compassionate. Seems like the church has lost its compassion for a lot and even for the lost. There are people around you, people you work with, people you go to school with, people you're going to meet next week that are lost and on their way to hell, a place that was not prepared for them. And it seems like the church is so enamored with the things of the world that they'll give themselves to everything and they've refused to have compassion for lost souls. So if we have compassion for nothing else, we as blood-bought Christians, we should have and we should obtain compassion for those that don't know Jesus. We have to have that. Look, we've been given such a message. We've been given such a gospel. We are obligated to share that gospel. We'll get to that in a moment. But we must still have compassion for lost souls as believers. If we don't, who's going to care for them? That person that you work with, the teacher, the pastor, might never get to see that person 
that they might meet you. Because if you have compassion enough to teach them about Jesus, that could be their avenue and the way they understand and hear the gospel for the very first time. Jesus was compassionate like no other. Matthew chapter 14, verse 14 says, And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. And so Jesus, if we're again, we're looking at our greatest example, he exhibited and he showed compassion to everyone that he met. He today is still compassionate to lost, to those that are saved, that are wayward, that are far away, those of us that are just in need of grace, he still has compassion. Listen, this is not the message. This is not the point of this class. But if some of you tonight are carrying burdens, there's a Savior that's compassionate that wants to help you right where you are. Some of us are carrying so many things that we can't give. give, We won't give it to Christ. We won't talk to anybody about it. Christ has enough compassion. He wants to help you right where you are. And so if our Savior has compassion, we must have compassion at times in our life. There are people that we know that used to come to church They've got away from Christ, and we have the mindset, well, I could care less, they did it to themselves. We must have compassion. Christ, so forgiving, so compassionate, so loving to us, so over and over, when we fail him, he picks us back up, he shows compassion, grace, and mercy to us. We must have the characteristics of Jesus that at times we show compassion to those around us. So then Jesus went forth, saw a great multitude, and was moved with compassion towards them, and he healed the sick. Over and over again, Jesus had compassion. Number seven. It's the last one we'll look at tonight before we dive in next week. Evangelism. And so some would say this is, might not be a gift, it might be a gift. I think we can see here that we're all called to this. And some, of, some more so than others, but we are all called to evangelism. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Matthew 28, verse 19, the Great Commission. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And so if we just take Matthew 28, there's Jesus after the resurrection teaching his disciples. Now, he's teaching those that are followers of him 2,000 years ago, but the writing is still true today for us that are believers. The commission is for us. And so while there are some that have given their whole entire life and career to go travel from church to church and preach the gospel, there are some that are missionaries that have given their life, their everything, to go to a third world country and make much of Jesus. There are still believers who sit in church every week who still have the calling to preach the gospel. We are all called to evangelism. So I'm going to throw my mom, once again, she's in here a lot under the bus. I told you last week, take the spiritual gifts test. So I get home on Sunday night, I went to eat some Mexican, mom called me, she's like, Travis, this test is wrong. It's not right, it's not accurate, it's false. And she said, I even took it twice. And it gave me the exact same answer. I said, well, what is it? She said, it says number one's evangelism. I said, mom, that's you 100%. She said, it is not. I said, mom, think about this with me. I shared this story with a couple of you when we went to Farmer's Day two weeks ago. I went to Farmer's Day with Mom four years ago and said I'll never go back with her. Because we went to get one chicken on a stick, one thing of fried Oreos, and turn around and come home. And we were there for four hours, and I still left her. I made her get a ride home with her sister. Because Mom, she'll be one of the last ones out of church on Sunday morning. She, if you could see her phone record, she talks on the phone. I'm not being mean to you, Mom. I love you. But she talks all the time. And I'm like, Mom, evangelism is you. You have been given such a personality to where you talk to anybody and everybody for hours on hours on hours. 
Somewhere in that conversation, you can slip in Jesus. And so I think it was correct for her. But whether it's not or whether that's not your gift, we've all at times been called to evangelism. Paul said it like this, and I shared this with the teenagers on Wednesday night out of Romans. He says, I'm obligated, I'm in debt to share the gospel. You say, well, why? Let me tell you this. We have all been given something so great. We should be compelled to give that out. Christ died for us, gave us eternal life. We now have been given something so amazing that we can't buy, we can't earn it. It's only freely given by the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross 2,000 years ago. We have a message. Every person has a message. The message is Jesus saves. And so no matter if you're the greatest evangelist in all the world, if you're the Billy Grahams of the world, or if you're my mom, who just has the ability to strike up a conversation with anybody that they know, whether that's at work, that's at the grocery store, that's a farmer's day, you have the ability to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus did that. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus' whole mission to come to earth was to die for sinners to save them. And he had the message. So imagine the paralytic man in Mark. They lowered him down to Jesus. And before Jesus healed him of his disease, he said, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Jesus was about the gospel. Well, there is no gospel without Jesus. But if we're looking at his life, he was committed to sharing the good news. And so we all, the Great Commission, going back to Matthew 28, we all have been called at certain times in our life to share the gospel. Some do it more effectively than others. Some do it more often than others. But we all have been given the same message. If you're a believer... You have the same message, and the message is Jesus saves. And so we are to go to wherever we work at, wherever we live, whoever we're around during the week, and simply share the message of the gospel. We are all at times called to evangelism. So now before we close, we've got about 14 minutes. I want to set the stage for next week. And so I wanted to go ahead and take care of uh, those seven gifts, how we're all called to those before we get into in-depth next week what your specific gift is. And so that gives you one more week, unlike my, to, like my wife, to take the test. And so if you, spiritualgiftstest.com, you can write that down, spiritualgifts, with an S, test.com. And if you don't have internet, you don't want to take it, there is a way when we're going over the gifts. I read a book, and it has a way for you to score yourself, and so you can get a good idea of maybe what your gift is that way. Um, but if you... Taking the test is a lot quicker, it's a lot simpler, and so it would make a, a lot more sense if you take that test this week. I'm not going to make you, I'm not going to, unless you're my wife, I'm not going to point my finger at you. But um, take the test this week if you can, spiritualgiftstest.com, because next week when we come in, we're going to start right at 6, looking at these gifts in depth, what they mean to us, and how we can use them throughout our week. And so though we do not have 100, recapping tonight, so though we do not have 100% efficiency in every single gift, there will be a time in your life where you're called to administer maybe some of these gifts. And so maybe it's not your greatest strong suit, but what, what we talked about last week, you are not empowered by self. You are empowered by the Father working through you to make much of the Son as the Spirit has gifted you. That is our mission. And we're not doing it in ourselves. We are empowered by Him. As we pattern our life after Jesus... We are to live like him. So I want you to turn as we're closing tonight and to 1 Peter. We're going to look at two verses here. This will set the stage for next week, how we'll unfold and unpack the gifts next week. So 1 Peter chapter 4, look with me at verse 10. I'll let you stop flipping for a second. 
First Peter chapter 4, verse 10. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God, verse 11, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so here Peter, we covered First Peter at youth group for a while, he is writing to scattered believers and how they are to use what they have uh, to make much of Jesus. And so he says this, all the gifts, he says in verse 10, as every man hath received the gift. So that goes back to last week. Everybody's received a gift. You believer in Jesus, you've been given a gift by the Spirit. We all have received a gift, so we're to minister the same one to another as good stewards as the manifold grace of God. But what he does in verse 11, he groups all of the gifts into two main categories. And so this is how we'll unpack them next week. He groups all of them into two main categories. The first category is speaking gifts. So he says in verse 11, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. And so verse 11, Paul breaks this down to the first group, is speaking gifts, the spiritual gifts that can all be categorized into one of these two groups, the first one being speaking gifts. And so some have received gifts and, and special abilities to speak the truths of God, to speak to people and to call and to teach the truths of Scripture. And so maybe that's not your uh, strong suit, but if you are the social person, there's a lot of teenagers in the youth group, they are social butterflies. They will speak to anybody, any stranger, any person, and they can strike up a conversation like mom. And so maybe you say, I'm not the speaker, but you have that personality. So you'll find out next week the way you can use your voice to make much of Jesus and to benefit the body of Christ. Maybe you have the ability to just strike up that conversation, and in that conversation you can make much of Jesus. So the first group is speaking gifts. The second group is serving gifts. So speaking gifts and serving gifts, verse number 11, it says, If any man minister or serve, let him do it as the ability which God giveth, that God in all things, look at this, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So the second category is serving gifts. And so if you look at the body of Christ, the fourth week we're going to look solely at the body of Christ, how your gift fits into the body as a whole. The body, the physical body, has one mouth, but many other parts. And so a lot of, like the people in Corinth, they believed that if they didn't have a speaking gift, that they were not superior. And so we looked last week, and I want to make sure for those of you that missed last week, you understand, if your gift is to give and someone else's gift is to teach, you are just as important and just as vital to the body of Christ as the one that speaks. And so if your gift is a serving gift, you are just as vital to the church. As Paul writes, the church needs you, and you need the church. And so imagine it like this. The mouth is for, on the physical body is the speaking gifts, and the muscles that we have is the serving gifts. In the physical body, there is a lot more muscle than there are mouths. Man, can you imagine if we were all mouth? Some of us might be all mouth. <laughs> can you imagine if we were all mouth? The body would not function properly. All of the muscles have to work in order for the one mouth to be able to speak. And so... There, I believe there are more people in the body of Christ who are just servants, who have serving gifts more so than speaking gifts. And so do not be ashamed if your gift comes out of serving gifts. Listen, it is just as important, if not more, than the speaking gifts. We need the muscles in the body 
to be used to make much of Jesus. So the speaking gifts, we can say this, they proclaim Christ. The serving gifts, they portray Christ. And so if you have a speaking gift, you are to proclaim, to preach, to teach, to evangelize with your mouth the good news of Jesus. If you have a serving gift, you might not have to speak, but the way you conduct your life, does it portray Jesus so that others can see Christ in the way you serve? So, speaking gifts portray, uh, proclaim Christ. Serving gifts portray Christ. So we have proclaim and portray. So if you have a serving gift, you are called through your daily activities, through the way you live, through the way you pray, through the way you give, to make much of Jesus. Look, there are people that you can just look by the way they carry themselves, by the way they live, by the way they talk, by the way they act. That person knows Jesus. And so if your gift is serving, are you portraying Christ every single day? If your gift is speaking, are you using your voice to make much of Jesus and to serve the body? Because look what the last part of verse 11 says, and we're praying and we're done. Look at it. That God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To whom, not you, be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The purpose of the serving gifts, the purpose of the speaking gifts are the same. We are to proclaim and to make much of Jesus so that he is glorified, not self is glorified, that he is glorified in how we serve, how we speak, how we act, that Jesus is glorified and he is praised. Thank you so much. We're going to pray, but thank you so much for your attention tonight. I hope this has been an encouragement as last week. And so next week, we're going to unpack the speaking and the serving gifts very in depth. So make sure you take your test, spiritualgiftstest.com. And I uh, hope you come with your excited about the answers that you have. Hopefully, I don't get a phone call tonight like I did last week. This is wrong. Probably right. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for tonight. We thank you for scripture. Father, we're thankful that Jesus is our ultimate example in all things. And so let us as believers have such a personal walk with Jesus that as we read scripture, the character of God and the character of Jesus just oozes onto us. And day by day, we are becoming like Jesus. So Father, let us all be equipped to minister how you have called us to minister. So Father, if we have speaking gifts, let us use our voice to make much of Jesus and to glorify God. If we are servants, let us use whichever gift you have given us under the banner of servanthood to serve Jesus and make much of him. But whatever our gift is, let Jesus be magnified in our life every single day. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the I Am Persuaded podcast, please consider subscribing and share with your friends. We pray this is a blessing in your life. God bless.